Hey, Anna. Hey, Shay. How are you? Wait, didn't you get observed today? (laughs) Well, kind of. I recorded my class to send to my supervisor. So I guess, yeah, I could be getting observed right now. Yikes. (laughs) How do you feel about that? (laughs) Well, I really love being observed as long as it comes with solid feedback. (laughs) Well, that's not a sentiment that everyone shares. Mm -hmm. And solid feedback is certainly not the result of every observation, is Mm -hmm. it? Mm -mm. Let's get into that. Hello and welcome to the Teacher Think Aloud podcast, a podcast for reflective practice for teachers of English around the world. I'm your co-host, Anna. And I'm Shay. And today we're going to explore the good, the bad, and the ugly of observations. (laughs) 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 Mm -hmm. So let's just say it. Observations are scary, or at least they can be for a lot of people. We put a poll out on Twitter asking if our listeners enjoy being observed and receiving feedback from supervisors. Do they like performance reviews, essentially? And actually, to my surprise at least, 75% said they do enjoy being observed. (laughs) And 25% said they've never been observed. So not a single person said they absolutely loathe being observed. (laughs) Who are these people? I don't know. But our question was perhaps too black and white. Dustin, the host of Sandman Stories Presents, actually very good podcast, great stories from around the world. Check it out, listeners. But so Dustin made a very astute comment. He said he hates being observed, but loves improving his teaching. That really resonated with me. Me too. I feel like a lot of times when I've done observations, teachers haven't been thrilled (laughs) to have me in their classrooms. Maybe they felt like I was invading their space, you know? Totally. It's daunting to have someone watching your every move, and we can be reluctant to hear feedback sometimes. And depending on the skill of the observer, it might come as an attack on your character. Regardless Mm. of the skill of the observer, though, I think we need to first highlight that as teachers, we have to be receptive to feedback in order for the whole thing to serve its purpose, right? Which is ultimately to improve our practice. Right. If we go into an observation situation like, oh, administrator so-and-so has been out of the classroom for so long. Mm. What do they know? Well, clearly, you know, maybe it's true, but clearly we're not going to get so much out of receiving whatever feedback admin so-and-so shares with us. Mm -hmm, Right. Anna, how do you feel about being observed? Well, I love the idea of getting feedback. So in theory, I enjoy (laughs) being observed. (laughs) Sometimes while I'm receiving the feedback, I can get a little bit defensive. And I'll admit that that's just sort of part of my general personality. (laughs) So it's not just for teaching. But, you know, I really have to work at just listening and absorbing the feedback. Mm, It can be hard to not put up your dukes, right? Mm. Like, what did you say about me? Those are fighting (laughs) words. Sometimes constructive criticism can throw you into that mode, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's worth pushing through those initial feelings of discomfort, though, because what I want more than anything, and I love being observed, I want to be torn apart. (laughs) I want someone to basically come in there and pick my practice apart, just destroy me. (laughs) Wow. Well, (laughs) yeah, I'm with you. I do want to qualify, though. 
that we <laughs> don't want to be destroyed in a demeaning, pedantic way. Like mm-hmm. we don't want supervisors to come into our classroom not knowing anything about our context or our teaching philosophy and then just rip us apart, right? <laughs> of course not. No, no. So I suppose a better way to put it would be that we enjoy it when someone comes in with a fine-toothed comb, mm-hmm. ready and able to offer really specific feedback, constructive criticism in the name of betterment. Much better. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are ways of giving good feedback, even when you're highlighting something that could be improved, right? Mm-hmm. Like sandwiching negative or constructive feedback between different bouts of positive feedback. So yeah, feel free to nitpick us, find the thing that we need to change that we need to work on, because we're so self-critical to begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. But one negative side of being so hyper aware of our practice, and what we need to improve on is perhaps the frustration that comes when the feedback we're getting is just not so specific. Yeah, like, tell me something I don't know. Mm-hmm. What irks me the most is vague feedback. Like, oh, that went well. That activity was interesting. Like, really? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just left yeah. wanting more from the experience, you know? Right, right. So the level of specificity is fundamental in effective feedback. What else? So I think that when we're talking about this level of specificity, I think that that happens through two things. Mm-hmm. First, a mindset about the observation process and a standardized protocol. First, knowing that as an observer, you're entering an environment that's not yours, one that maybe you don't have a comprehensive understanding of. So there's this need to keep an open mind and also to enter that situation being as informed and purposeful as possible. Absolutely. And I think that happens when you have an observation protocol as your guiding light, right? So having, you know, a pre-observation meeting, right, where you get to sit down with the teacher that you're working with, or you get to sit down with your supervisor if you're on the other end and share specific areas that you'd like for that observer to look at, right? Yeah. So for example, I was worried for a long time, and I still worry about it, honestly, about the length and the quality of my wait time in my practice. Mm. And that was something that I used to ask people to examine when they would visit my classroom. And so having that really specific area to focus on as an observer, I think that's that's really helpful for the observer and for the teacher. Totally. Of course, observers mm. will probably notice other things too, but having a pointed area to look out for will help them not just write down whatever comes to mind. Right. So then during the process, ideally, there's some sort of guiding document, right, a checklist or the like that helps to limit the subjectivity that can seep its way into observations. Mm -hmm. The observer is never going to avoid subjectivity entirely. It's pretty much impossible. But having a framework to lead their observations creates an important baseline and ensures that the quality of feedback doesn't differ immensely from one instructor to another that there's some sort of standardization taking place. Yeah, and whatever standard is being followed, whether it's a rubric or a checklist, the teacher should be privy to that information before the observer goes into their class. Mm -hmm. They need to know what it is they're looking for. There needs to be a certain level of transparency embedded within this protocol. And you know, as teachers, if observers aren't transparent with us about their criteria, we need to advocate for it. Just ask them for the protocol. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to say like, hey, could you share this with me? I'd really Mm -hmm. like to know, like before I go into this experience, what it is that you're going to be observing. Mm -hmm. And this is not cheating, right? Having clear expectations for the observation is not cheating. We deserve to feel as prepared as possible. Absolutely. And then observations finished, 
usually there's a post-observation meeting asking for teacher reflections. And mm. once the teachers had a chance to evaluate and reflect on their own performance, the observer can start pointing out some strengths and areas for improvement. Yes. Always combining positive and constructive comments, right? And also, not just leaving it at that, but offering some tips or solutions to address the areas for improvement. Yeah. Like, don't just tell me what's wrong. Offer some ideas to improve upon what you saw. Or even just asking thought-provoking questions that get us, the teachers, to discover our own solutions. Mm -hmm. It can be that simple. So if a post-observation meeting just goes into the criticism without asking the teachers to share their own reflections or offering specific solutions or areas for betterment, you know, it's not going to feel so good, right? So it's also helpful if the post-observation meeting is close in time to the observation itself because, well, our memories don't always serve us. (laughs) Yeah, I am super forgetful. So yes, Mm. take lots of notes during that observation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so now, of course, we're talking about an ideal situation, right? Where there's this established protocol. But maybe, you know, maybe you're working in a really large school or institute and there are just hundreds of teachers. And so this isn't always possible, but some sort of pre and post observation check-in is really important so that the observation process is as meaningful as possible. So for us, effective feedback after being observed so far comes down to being specific, Mm -hmm. creating an opportunity for reflection and leaving us with really tangible takeaways. Yeah. I've definitely had less than ideal feedback from observations (laughs) in my career. And in my opinion, there's nothing worse than being left wondering, okay, well, what the heck am I supposed to do with that? (laughs) Right. Either because the feedback was too vague or oddly specific, (laughs) but focusing on something that was just totally irrelevant to the lesson or seemingly insignificant. So, Anna, what's your worst observation experience been? Honestly, I can't remember any specific ones. They all sort of bleed together. The worst ones are all pretty much just minimal and focusing on some insignificant details. And I like details, but I don't like insignificant details. Or maybe they just didn't comment on any of the things I had asked for them to pay attention to. It was like they just went in and they're like, oh, this person's good. Let me cruise through this and find like one small thing I can call attention to. Why did you write just on the left-hand side of the whiteboard, Anna? Yeah, it's like, okay, cool. Thanks for that. But there's a larger explanation of how you could be using the board more effectively. I've had feedback on that before, actually. But yeah. Okay. Well, you've gotten off pretty easily then. You're just amazing, Anna. We all know that. Uh, Stop. But (laughs) Shay, what's your worst experience been? Oh, man. It actually almost made me quit before I even started. What? (laughs) I don't think you've ever shared this with me before. It's a a doozy. You ready? Do tell. So when I was working on my master's, one of my internships was in a writing class at a community college. And throughout the semester, I had weekly formal lessons during which I received some feedback from my supervising mentor teacher. Mm -hmm. And then there was this overall performance review. And during the final meeting, my mentor asked me what I planned to do next. And of course, I was finishing my master's, so Mm -hmm. I was looking for adjunct work in universities. So I told her that. And she responded with, are you sure you're ready for your own class? Oh, my gosh. And I was I was absolutely astounded because over the course of 15 weeks, 15 weekly lessons, she had given me just minimal constructive criticism, Ugh. made me feel like I was on the right track. I felt confident. Oh and gosh. not to mention, 
I had already been teaching for several years, so it was just the college context that was new for me. Mm-hmm. I felt like as my mentor, she completely let me down and made me rethink my choices and my ability as an educator. Mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah. And maybe she didn't mean it that way. Maybe I took it the wrong way, but regardless, I was, I was heartbroken. <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, it seems like that just totally came out of left field. She Blind hadn't given <laughs> you, and she, she hadn't really given you much specific feedback besides, are you sure you're ready? Like, yeah. that's, Ouch. Just, that's just so unhelpful. Like at least explain mm-hmm. what you observed and why you're asking that question, right. Right. especially when you're observing new teachers, they need mm-hmm. a bunch of guidance and support. I mean, Mentorship is one of the most effective ways of developing teachers. Mm -hmm. When these mentors take interest in you and what your needs are and the questions that you have, the concerns that you have in your practice, really making it a personalized experience, that can just have such a massive payoff for everyone involved, right? But not all of our observers are going to be amazing. (laughs) Not all (laughs) of them, not all of them are going to be mentors. Mm -hmm. But I've had some really good observation experiences too. I don't know about you, but for me, like my best two observations, or I guess my top two, have always involved a narrative form of observation. So if you're not familiar with a narrative observation, listeners, it's basically like during your class, the observer writes down basically a narrative of what's happening in the class. So it's very detailed. They're constantly taking notes on what you said and what you did, like every aspect of the class. So I had a really, really good one in a class that I was teaching. And actually, the positive feedback that I received was constructive because my supervisor referred specifically to evidence in the narrative of how I had done X, Y, and Z. My supervisor was able to point out some very specific evidence that supported, like, I think it was why the atmosphere I had created was convivial. And she was like, yeah, you said every single student's name as they joined, even when they were late. And I hadn't even thought of that as something conscious that I was doing, but that's a great point. And I'll remember that in future classes as something that I should keep doing. Mm -hmm. And she even pointed to the parts in her script that she had basically written out about that. I appreciate the specificity of that kind of protocol. It's always helped me in a lot of ways. So how about you, Shay? Similar, actually. I really love narrative observations because they lend themselves to the bigger picture. And the observer is really committed to understanding the context of the lesson. So just the simple act of gathering background information and not treating this lesson as just this isolated event. They're taking time to notice the reactions of my students and whether or not they're understanding what I'm saying and you know what the looks on their faces might be when I share on a certain point. So I think that having that sort of larger picture mentality on the part of the observer has been really important for me mm-hmm. and helpful because as we mentioned earlier, it's, it's easy to become defensive and to say, well, you don't know what we did on Monday, so you don't know why I made the instructional choices I did today, right? Um, I believe that having an understanding of what's happened before and even what you plan to do as a result of the lesson leads to a fairer and usually accurate assessment of my teaching. Mm. If the observer is able to get a picture of that connectivity of all of it, It treats this teaching as more of this holistic kind of thing. Teaching Mm -hmm. is an art form, a work in progress. Really, it's about the process rather than isolated events. And observers who can recognize that are really great. 
Agreed. Yeah. But not all feedback is going to be this great. Mm -hmm. So now, what do you do when you receive feedback that you can't work with? Either it's too vague to decipher, it's intangible, or it's just plain confusing. (laughs) Well, I think you first have to ask if there are ways that you can connect with the person who observed you and say, hey, you said this and I'm Mm -hmm. just curious what you meant. Do you have an example or ideas of how I could do better? So asking questions to sort of make it work for you if that's something available to you. And maybe it's not. Hmm. Maybe that person, for whatever reason, isn't responsive to our questions. So we need to take it into our own hands. See if there's something you can run with and make a plan for yourself. Talk to a colleague about the feedback. Mm. Maybe even ask them to observe you or simply spend some time on your own journaling, reflecting on some of the areas that your supervisor pointed out and try to find some tangible takeaways for that. Right. There are also other resources to draw upon when you're struggling to interpret the feedback. But criticism, whether it's constructive or not, it might hurt. (laughs) So (laughs) what do you do when it hurts? (laughs) Well, you cry a little, I think. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it happens. You know, we're all human. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay to have emotional reactions to observations. Mm -hmm. I think performance reviews put us in a vulnerable position. Right. You cry a bit, but then we have Mm -hmm. to come to terms with the reality. There very well could be areas that we need to improve. Mm -hmm. And so we have to come to terms with the fact that we're not a perfect human. Mm -hmm. And we have to find ways to turn that into constructive feedback and then build it into our practice. Suck it up, you baby. (laughs) It sounds harsh, but it's true. Uh Even if feedback isn't delivered in the most articulate or kind way, it's an opportunity for growth. So do something with that feedback. Mm -hmm. So listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Are you able to suck it up and make the best of these sometimes challenging bits of feedback? Do you enjoy receiving feedback from your supervisors? And it's only fair, since Anna and I revealed our stories. What was your worst classroom observation experience? What was your best? You can join the conversation on our various social media accounts. Email us via our contact form at teacherthinkaloud.com or comment via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We welcome your reflections, questions, and ideas. For more resources related to today's topic, take a look at our website and our podcast Anchor page, anchor.fm slash teacherthinkaloud. And of course, if you've appreciated anything you heard today, consider sharing this episode with a colleague and help expand our reach. Thanks so much for joining us on the Teacher Think Aloud podcast. And until next time, happy teaching and happy reflecting.